And now, right to your hosts of Down the Garden Path, Joanne Shaw and Matthew Dressing. And welcome to Down the Garden Path, where each week we discuss down-to-earth tips and advice while doing our best to help you seasonally manage your garden and landscape. I'm Joanne Shaw, owner of Down-to-Earth Landscape Design, and with me is my co-host, Matthew Dressing. Welcome, Matthew. Welcome, Joanne, and good evening, everyone. Thank you for joining us. I'm Matthew Dressing, owner of Natural Affinity Garden Design. As landscape designers and gardeners, we believe it is important and possible to have great gardens, which are sustainable and low maintenance, and we want to help you make it happen. That's right. And as we all know, we, as much as we've been eagerly waiting the month of May, May is a very busy gardening month. And we're all busy getting our gardens ready for a new season. Tonight on the show, we continue our Back to Basics month with a look at annuals. And we're going to cover some of the new ones and some of the uh, unusual ones, um, but just overall annuals. Um, Love them or hate them. (laughs) Um, They they, they do play a part in our uh, gardens. And uh, we want to talk about them and we want to answer your questions. So please join in the conversation uh, and, and ask us are your questions about your annuals or your containers, any plants that go in a container. Send your questions to instudio101 at gmail.com. You got it. Uh, and we, yes, I think we are excited about our annuals. Um, <laughs> Joanne. Well, I mean, we, we are, everybody's super keen, but we still can't really put them out yet because we still could get a frost, right? Yes. And, that, and that's exactly kind of where I was going is, is everyone mm-hmm. is super keen. Have you put anything out, um, at all? No, no, no. I've been no. setting them out, trying to harden them off a bit during the nice warm days. Um, kind of getting them used to the ones I've started inside. Uh, or even some of the ones that I've I've bought I've bought a Mandevilla uh, vine which I'm sure we'll touch on tonight. Uh, I've got her out there. She's going to do her thing, but just acclimatizing them to that direct sun. I'm going to put into some of the cooler, cooler, windier temperatures. They may not have seen out in uh, the garden centers or really have been exposed to yet. So just like our seeds, we want to harden some of these things off to sunlight, but also those cooler temperatures which they have not grown to yet. And just like Joanne said, uh, at least here in the GTA, uh, our uh, frost warning final date uh, is yet to come. Um, It is May 2-4. If you look into some other sources, people do say it's kind of like the May 10th, but uh, I don't believe that. Um, Just out of experience, it can be warmer given like a year like this. Yeah. Were you going to say your term? Well, isn't it connected to like, I know we've always gone by a date, but some I've seen different people talk about the moon that it's really like when there's a, it gets a certain, so that's connected to the frost is, is the certain moon. Have you heard that before? I've heard that. I know. I don't think I've heard that directly. I think I've heard more, just more about the moon and the, the planting and like affecting the phases and the timing of things, but I didn't think it played into the timing of the frost. Yeah. That's a whole other show. We're going to talk about gardening by moonlight. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, 
Yes, yes. So there's lots of annuals. So just be aware of your last uh, frost date. Around my area, I'm seeing lots of um, beautiful mixed planters and hanging baskets that are out and about. Nothing yet that I've seen people plant in the ground just as yet, though. Lots of tulips still, and people are planting some shrubs uh, and some trees, but they tend to be hardened off easier in the garden centers, and they, you know, they have minimal heat houses before they're shipped out, uh, mm -hmm. so they're there. But yeah, so annuals, annuals, annuals. Um, do you like designing with lots of annuals? No, I don't really. I mean, people, it's funny because I think they always say, I don't want anything I have to plant every year. And I'm like, yeah, no, I don't put those in. <laughs> so yeah. usually people are asking me not to have them. Now, they usually know that the first year, even the, I had a quick consultation this evening um, before dinner. And, um, you know, I have to explain that initially when you first do a garden, there is a lot of space. The plants are like, I leave lots of room for them to grow in. And I say, you know, you either you know, and that's when they can, so the first year, if they want to fill in the empty spaces with annuals, they can, but, mm -hmm. but other than that, um, there really is no, and sometimes people want the gardens a little fuller initially. I just don't like them hating me in three years when it's too full. Right. And I always kind of have that joke with them, you know, I'm like, yes. yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. you might, it might have a bit of space now, but you're not going to hate me in three years. So that's the thing to consider. Right. I, exactly. So, I say something very similar to all my clients as well. There's a reason there's that extra little bit of space. Yeah. And here are a couple of things that you can do, but don't get too keen. Just, you know, know that they're going to fill in and they're going to be perfect uh, for you eventually. Um, annuals, if you guys aren't experiencing it, we are definitely experiencing it in our area. Uh, annuals are flying off the shelf. Um, if you have not gone out and gotten your annuals just yet, if you are going for annuals, even some of the things like shrubs and roses and fruit trees and all that kind of stuff, definitely hit up your local garden centers uh, sooner than later. People are buying, buying, buying. It's the second year of uh, being COVID and here in Ontario, we are in lockdown. Everyone mm -hmm. is staying home and everyone wants that pretty yard to stay at home in. Uh, lots of things. A friend of mine works at another garden center. Uh, they grow most of their own stuff mm -hmm. and they are sold out of all sorts of basics. Um, their geraniums are picked over. There's not an ivy or a potato vine to be seen. Um, yeah, things are just going nuts. I don't understand. Yeah, even in my garden center, um, again, I'm out in the nursery, as you guys as know, but just kind of keeping an eye on, on everything and just watching. People are taking flats of stuff at a time. And it's like the one lady a few days ago, or drove by me, walked by me with her cart. And uh, it was completely filled with potato vine. And she didn't have another thing on it. I'm like, what are you going to plant all that good potato vine on? Like, what? Yeah. And she's just grabbing it. She's just grabbing it to have it because she knows she's going to use a bunch of it. And she knows that things are getting run out. 
Yeah, but I think we're getting into that hoarding too, like the toilet paper situation, right? So these are live things and Mm -hmm. uh, it's a shame. I mean, I don't, I'm curious. So I don't know if we've had some listeners from other parts of the world that can chime in and see how things are on their end. Um, And I do think like the the growers have got to have like a second phase of plants coming in. I know our initial been, we've been initially told no, but um, I I don't know. I just think... um, yeah, because you know how usually that like all the four inch things sell out. Like you know, I worked in the nursery too, right? And this time of year, everything's in a four inch pot. And then at the end, the beginning mid by mid June, end of June, everything comes in in a six inch pot. You know, so they can charge more for it. So I don't know. I don't know if that's going to happen. I know there were some things like I bought that big um, t- was probably like a ten inch pot, right? Of the peas. You were with me when I bought the yeah. peas already started and stuff like that. So yeah. So I don't know. I think that the garden centers are trying to keep up i think it's like a perfect storm in the volume of new gardeners and increased demand and then the restrictions you know um where people are think are buying more than they normally would because they're not sure when they could get back in right and they don't want to wait line up and and things like that so yeah so it's it's kind of an interesting interesting time so i'm hoping the garden centers and the growers, it's really not. And so I know a lot of people, you were saying that customers are getting mad at you guys. It's really yeah. not the garden said like the garden centers aren't growing it. Like it's where you guys are trying to find the product. And uh, yeah, so it's, it's, it's really a, a bigger, bigger thing, isn't it? Yeah. It's more, it's much more beyond the, the people that you're the garden centers you're going in and visiting. Um, it's their suppliers, even those who grow their own things. They are bringing in some stuff, but again, it's a supplying thing. And I think you great words, just uh, it's the perfect storm. It's the perfect storm where all suddenly more of us are at home uh, and more of us, the demand just can't uh, match the supply or the supply can't match the demand, unfortunately. Yeah. So we have a few questions that have rolled in. Excellent. Uh, Pam has written in, good evening, Joanne and Matt. Good topic tonight. Are there any annuals that are a bit more hardy uh, just in case we plant? Uh, and oh, and then an unexpected frost comes a week or so later. Yeah, so Pam, there are definitely some uh, cooler season annuals that you can find that will take some of that cold, even a light frost or a little bit of snow, and they tend to bounce back. And they're gonna be the annuals that you tend to see, like I almost call it like pre-season. They're the first offerings of annuals that you see before all the, you know, the big colorful tropical classic ones uh, jump into play, before like the geraniums, for example, to come into play. A classic one is gonna be your violas or your pansies. A lot of those are going to be, um, it's, again, it's a cool season plant. A lot of the growers in our area, or at least one of our suppliers, they will grow them and harden them off to take six inches of snow and uh, minus five degrees. And they won't care what you give it them. They might, uh, you know, wilt a few flowers. They'll flag for a day. They'll just kind of flop, given some warmth, uh, not even a little bit of water, but just a little, getting some warmth, they'll draw up more water and they'll warm back up and perk back up for you. Uh, Some other things that you might see, um, which a lot of people will use in the summer as well, is that sweet alyssum. Sweet alyssum is a cooler season plant. She can take a little bit more of of that cooler weather. Again, might knock her back some blooms, but she will pop back and she can take a little bit of that cooler weather. 
of another couple. Oh, go ahead. No, yeah. I thought uh, even geraniums like aren't not the hanging basket ones, but even the geran like aren't the like the geraniums a little bit. You know, they've got a little more meat to them, or kind of they're sturdier. So don't they? Couldn't they handle a little bit of frost? You got it. And th- I was gonna. I was going to name a couple others and then I was going to end there, but yes, <laughs> the, uh, no, that's okay. Yeah. Your pelargoniums are classic zonal geraniums or mother geraniums. A lot of people, whatever you call them, they are perfect. Um, they do take that cool weather. And a lot of people, when I find, uh, I guess half and half really, but not, not many people know that they will do that. They will take that cool. So when they get into fall, um, people will rip everything out and put in fall stuff or just kind of let it go for as long as they can. But those geraniums will go quite long with your mums and your asters and your, you know, icicle pansies, uh, you know, just the pansies that are reintroduced into the fall because it's getting cold. Uh, they will take a lot of frost and they will, they will weather quite well. Yeah. Yeah. So they are a little bit more robust. Yeah. 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 Two others I was just going to quickly throw out there was any of your stalks. Um, so you're um, sort of just tall, upright, kind of, um, I almost think they're kind of like peonies or uh, little spikes. They're very, very fragrant. Uh, I'm trying to think of the genus name right now. And it's totally blank. Kind of delphinium, me. like not a leaf, that, not the leaf of a delphinium, but kind of like the flower stalk, like very, yes. right? Yeah. Yes, exactly. Where they have those. Yes. Very delphinium. Yep. Salvia. Yeah. You know, cross between salvia and a, and a delphinium, I think. Yes. Yeah. They're smaller, they're mm-hmm. tighter, but they definitely have those clusters or those buds like the delphiniums. Yeah. Um, uh, and then snapdragons as well. Oh, can take that's a little good bit to know. Coolness. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Well, that's great. So that Bam, great. I hope you can give, uh, that helps you a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. But if you are buying some more of the summer classic annuals, especially some of the tropical stuff, just watch your nighttime temperatures. That tropical winter in the northern region starts at 14 to 16 degrees Celsius. Uh, So, you know, we don't want to start really leaving things out overnight until we at least get some 10 to 11 uh, overnight and we've gotten some of that cooler weather on them. Uh, Or you might be pulling them in or covering them in a frost blanket or something like that, like veggies, like you would treat Mm -hmm. a veggie. Yeah. 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 Okay. We do have another uh, question from Shane. Um, he says, hi, do you notice that because of COVID annual plants are more expensive? Yes. <laughs> I don't know no, if it's certainly. COVID. I don't, I don't know, Shane, if it's really COVID or if it's just greater demand and, um, and it's been hard, but I think it all starts at the source, like the price of wood, right? Like it's right. seed was more expensive and seed was more expensive for the consumer. So seed was still more expensive for the grower. Soil has been more expensive. So I'm sure soil is more expensive for the grower. So it's, it's, it's like the money's certainly not going to the garden center and the mar- I doubt the money's even going to the grower. Like, I, I think the cost of everything um, you know, like in manufacturing, like all the little parts. So then the finished product is more, it's kind of been the same with plants. Yeah. Yeah. When we found the same thing at our garden center this year too, prices went up just a little bit, but it's like everything that used to. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of for stuff. sure. Yeah. And together. nursery stock, like nursery stock, like, you know, Japanese maples are way up and, and things that we, especially things that aren't grown in Ontario, well, transportation costs are uh, up, right? Because now they come from BC or they come from Oregon and it's gotten more expensive to get them here, right? And uh, and stuff. So there's a lot of contributing factors. So, I, I mean, I guess it's COVID related to a certain degree, but I think it 
it's just um, all the little, all the little parts all along the way. Right. Yeah. 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 That all, I, yeah, exactly. How you said it. Thank you for your question. <laughs> yes. Thank you, Shane. That is a very good question. And, mm-hmm. and that is definitely happening. I think. Yeah. And I don't know where you are, Shane, if you were in Ontario, like if that's, I'd be curious to know if someone in the U S like if you guys are finding that was something Matt and I were talking about pre-show and our pre-show chat um, was, is it just in our bubble? Is this the case or because other areas are, 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 you know, different climates and different, you know, are you experiencing that same, um, that same thing or is everything, you know, you know, kind of same as usual, same old, same old. So I'm, I'd love to hear that from somebody. Um, and we always love hearing where you're from when you write us in an email. Um, it helps us a lot. So, uh, yeah. Yes, it does. Yes, it does indeed. Um, Kelly has written in. Uh, hello, all. Joanne, thank you for the information about the Grow New uh, Entrant Program. Ah, yes i shared that on facebook i think it's the landscape ontario grow program yeah so i'm glad that you got that so that's excellent especially i think it's a great way for people to get in the industry yes yes i agree susan's written in hi when we plant should we add anything to the soil besides the actual dirt that we plant the annual in? And if so, do we uh, add in the actual hole that we are planting it in? Thank you. Yes, so Susan, I love how you you went, uh, besides the soil, the actual (laughs) dirt, uh, it's all soil. We all want soil, soil's that living stuff. But yeah, um, you know what, It's, it's definitely up to you. I like to just add in either some worm castings, um, especially into my containers or compost into my containers with the annuals. Um, if I've got a troublesome uh, soil there, and I'm thinking, sorry, let me clarify, I'm, I'm imagining what I'm planting in the ground uh, as well as, as my containers as well. Um, but I'm going to use a base in my containers of like that soilless potting mix just to make it lighter and um, a little bit more of that natural soil for those tropical plants not as heavy as a a triple mix or something like that you dig out of the ground so yeah Uh, do you do anything special when you plant your veggies or containers or I really don't I mean I make sure that there's I really only do annuals in uh in containers kind of at my front door I have two or my like little patio front um you know two containers and I usually don't I mean I just keeping them really well watered is key for me um, but I do not add anything else, uh, really. Um, yeah, so, but that's just me. I'm, I'm, I'm a bit, um, tough love when it comes to the annuals and stuff. So I really try to pa- pa- plant something that's going to usually the last couple of years has been mandevillas in those with a bit of an obelisk and stuff. Um, yeah. So, uh, so yeah, so more of a tropical. So that's another, um, thing that we, you know, it's a bit more expensive to throw away at the end of season, but uh, <laughs> I did try, I did two years ago, I brought a couple in and this year I brought one in, um, but I, it's, it hasn't, it's struggled all, all winter. So I don't know that I'll, I'll get much out of it this summer outside. Ah, uh, yes, yes. Yeah. 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 But, uh, yeah. The only other tip I might have for you, um, Susan, is uh, adding a layer of compost at the bottom of your like window boxes or other containers if you're starting them again um, from scratch. And you should be cycling out your used or spent 
peak-based container mixes every year to year and a half. I try to do it every couple of years just because I'm up on a condo and that's a lot of soil to move around every spring. Um, so I, I kind of stretch using some of the knowledge that I have. Uh, but this year I'm going to definitely refresh. So I'm always putting like two to three inches or four inches on the bottom of my containers as the spring causes them to grow uh, really nice and thick and lush. Uh, when the summer heat finally comes and they're a little bit more root bound and a little bit more stressed that way, uh, by the time they hit that bottom of the container, they're digging into some nice nutrient rich, cool, moist um, compost that kind of just gives them a little bit more of a, a midsummer kick uh, to kind of green back up again and give you some more, uh, a little bit more activity there. What do you think of the, um, cause I know it's, it's a popular, well, it's an easy thing is, um, I think of like a shaker, like they've got the slow release fertilizer. Like, would you, could you shake some of that in? And that's just something maybe you do weekly or by, you know, every two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. I actually use, um, I have Fafard's uh, garden and veggie shaker that I use. It's okay. a four, three, seven. Um, and I just kind of put that on, on most of my veggies. And then in my planter boxes, even though I do the compost and whatever else I add to the soil, I also use again from Fafard the Nutrite, the garden all. So it's a uh, six, 12, 18. Um, and so it's just feeding the fruit and feeding the flowers. And those will usually last me anywhere from uh, four to six to two more. Uh, four to six weeks or up to eight weeks, depending on how much water and, you know, what the conditions are and, and et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, I'll always just plant that and then just top dress with a nice slow release. And because okay. annuals need so much water anyways, right? Yeah. Especially as we get into the summer. But every time you're hitting them with water, you're going to just replace some of that fertilizer. Because if you guys don't know, so every time we water, any fertilizer that's bonded or nutrients bonded to the soil will redissolve into uh, the soil solution, which is that water and leach away. So this is where those water solubles like the miracle grow. If you water it, you know, you have to do it every week or every two weeks for those water solubles. Cause every time you water, you're dissolving some of it away and pushing it out of that container or out of that root zone. Whereas you know, your granulars are just going to slowly feed and replace that every time you go. Okay. Yeah. Good. Good question. Um, Oh, Karen has written in, um, what are the best annuals for color, but not too expensive? P.S. I know Joanne, no yellow. <laughs> yes. Um, longtime listeners. So well, Susan and Karen are longtime listeners. So thank you for tuning in, you guys. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the price is the price at this point, uh, uh, Karen. So it's a little tricky. I think, you know, maybe looking for cell packs. Um, so you have to have a little bit more patience because it'll take them a little while to fill a little longer to fill in, but they totally will fill in and catch mm -hmm. up. So that's a good way. So trying to find um, annuals in, and you can, like you often can find begonias. Um, I don't know if it's for sun or shade, but begonias, uh, you know, in like little cell packs. So it's like now you're getting four little tiny plants, right? Instead of one. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a bit of a trade-off. Um, Matt, can you have anything else to add? That was exactly my what I was going to say to Karen as well. Look out for those cell packs. You can get salvias, begonias, portulacas, marigolds. Um, there's so many things. Um, and then just, I think it's more the fibrous begonias that you see than the tuberous uh, in cell packs is a little bit more common. But yeah, they're a great way. They're inexpensive. Um, I think even this year, they're, they, 
they're like 15 to 18 dollars uh for a tray um, okay like tw- that's expensive a yeah, tray. Yeah. okay but a whole tray so and then and i was just trying to do the math there's a there's 12 of four in there um, yeah for those 48 okay. plants uh and they'll yeah. take a great area up eventually yeah, eventually. My other t- tr- trick is to actually buy um, the bigger plants, like buy a couple, like if you need them for, um, whether it's for a container or for the garden, um, you could buy three flowering baskets, but take them out of the flowering basket. And then you've got three, like if you think of three hanging baskets, okay, you know, 15 bucks each, maybe, or more, I don't know, Matt, I don't know the prices, but um but like then they're instant and you only have three groupings. So it's not like you've created, you know, uh, annuals everywhere, but um, you know, that can be sometimes, and they'd be sturdier as well at l- less risk of Cause the disadvantage of cell packs is I've always found like, yeah, there might be four in a cell pack, but really only two and a half to survive <laughs> or three in this yeah. one and, th- and three in that, you know what I mean? Maybe three. So so yeah, so that could be another one where you're buying, you're going for instant, bigger impact. So then you need less of them, right? Because they're already that much, you know, the trailing, now the trailing plant that was in the hanging basket is now more of a ground cover and the upright, you know what I mean? So it kind of takes up more space instantly. So that you can look, kind of look at cost savings that way. Yeah, definitely. And I think that ties right into Chris's next question. Uh, are there any annuals that you can plant and they spread uh, in that way? Can I save some money? So uh, definitely an excellent tip. Yeah, just using those those hanging baskets. And then Chris, just to kind of our further point, those, those cell packs that we're buying, they will grow fairly quickly. And then it just depends on which ones you're looking at. Uh, you know, things like petunias and million bells, uh, they will spread out and cover a larger area than something mm-hmm. like a zonal geranium that is a little bit more upright and compact or uh, like a salvia, which bolts straight up. But by the end of this season, they might take up that foot or like a petunia anywhere 18 to 24 inches, depending on, on who you get. So yeah, just kind of knowing which annuals you'll get, they'll all grow in different heights and ranges and just spacing them accordingly to grow in. Or like Joanne said, grab a couple hanging baskets of petunias or million bells and, you know, drop them for that instant look and they cover quite a great area. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Uh, Another question. Uh, Tim has written in, uh, is it too early to plant our veggies outdoors? I'm in Southern Ontario. Thanks for the advice. And you know what? Most of the veggies that um, I'm thinking herbs, as I say that, uh, the veggies are uh, our annual plants. Um, My, uh, my shallots came back, but uh, outside of that, yes, Tim, we're kind of right on the edge. Um, I am actually rolling the dice right now with one of my uh, snow white cherry tomatoes. Um, I'm very anxious to get her up on that post and start climbing up as she does. And uh, I'm going to try her out this week and just kind of watch because tonight's going to be nine here in Southern Ontario. Uh, or at least where I am in the GTA. So we're kind of right on the edge. Again, just watching for that frost. You might have to put a frost blanket over. I'd hate for you to plant them all out and then bring them all in. Um, so just kind of be careful of what you've got. If you've got some cooler season things like some lettuces and some kales and uh, grainy cut things, you might be okay. But when we get into some of the tomatoes and the peppers, uh, the things that like that heat a little bit more, we're, we're kind of right on the edge of that. I, I'm still worried about tonight. I'm going to roll the dice because I've got a whole bunch growing up in addition to, but uh, mm. yeah, we're going to see. 
Yeah. I have mine so in just, the garage too. I don't have much, yeah. but I have some of my veggies in the garage and I just, I don't know. I just don't think it's worth the risk. Like, yes. I mean, and I've seen that on a lot of, you know, Facebook boards and stuff like that. People are saying, Oh, I think it'll be fine. I'll think it'll be fine. But is it worth it? Especially something that one, you either you bought and you spent good money on or two, you've been babying inside the house for weeks and weeks, you know, just to have one night when we're just about a week away. So, you know, hold on to it. I mean, um, but in the garage is okay. Cause that's, you mm. know, so if you need to get it out of the house and get it a bit more light, like I have mine um, kind of at the front of the garage so that I, during the day when the garage is open, you know, they're getting some sun and then, um, you know, then it's, you know, keeping them cooler. So without me having to go in and out. So lazy man. <laughs> no, no, that's uh, yeah. That's a great Cause, way. Of, again, Cause I know I'm going to forget, like I, you know, forget to lock the car, forget to move the car when I need to, you know what I mean? Yeah. So <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. And, yes. and I'm rolling the dice cause I've got, I've got a pile that I started way back when, um, that are already like my snow white tomatoes are at least 14 inches tall. Um, so I'm ready to plant them and get them, them climbing. So mm-hmm. I'm okay, but yeah, excellent point, especially right now with COVID and everything being bought so quickly, if you spent the money and fought those lines, you probably don't want to risk not having it, uh, or having it freeze. Cause you probably won't get it again. Um, or if you do, it might be a little later and yeah. we don't know again. So yeah. yeah, yeah. And sometimes it's like, I think you said this, that it's, they're just set back. Like, so maybe it doesn't kill the plant, but things like peppers and you know what I mean? Yeah. They, it just sets them back a bit. So then is it, was it really worth it? Like, I, I don't know. So yeah, you get I, them out of your hair and you're planted yeah. if they're like two weeks now behind because they yeah. got that cold bite. Yeah. 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 So, so that is my, uh, my concern. So I just think it's safer just to wait. Um, and if you can put them in a shed or in a garage instead, you know, to go for that. So, um, so Brad has written in, um, nice advice tonight. Thank you. I always kill my annual. So this advice tonight is life-saving. Thank you guys. Love you guys. Oh, thank you very much, Brad. Also another, uh, long-time listener. Um, I see I have this thing about names. I can remember the names. Um, <laughs> I don't remember I did yesterday, but you know, um, yeah, I mean, I think the key to annuals is the right plant, the right one in the right spot. So know yes. what sun and know what shade and really, really know, because sometimes at the teen, like, don't be asking the, you know, the 16 year old at the garden center, like ask, ask your senior neighbor or ask, you know what I mean? Someone who really does know or look it up yourself or read, oh, God forbid we read the tag. Right. So, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, sun plants and sunspots, shade plants and shade spots. And then it's water, really a bit of fertilizing, but really, I think water that's and to me, that's why I'm not as much of a fan of annuals, and only have them in my containers, in that they're right in my face at the front door. And I can't, you know, and I'll still forget to water them. But, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's easier to look after. I have to agree with you 100%. The water is Key, 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 key. Uh, Out on my balcony after a long day, uh, you know, talking to people, other people about plants in their gardens or designing something. That's usually the last thing on my mind is to, oh, yeah, go out on the balcony and make sure you water all of those different containers. Right. And Oh, it can just wait one more day. Now the water you. Yeah, you got to water them. Get out of flower and they just look ratty after some time if you don't. Yeah, Um, yeah, definitely. Let's take a break. 
<laughs> yeah, the, I, I'm glad everybody has questions. I do want to know, are people putting your annuals in the ground or are you putting them in containers and hanging baskets? I, I, I'm dying to know. So that's it. But go ahead, Matt. <laughs> so that's right. So write your answers in now at instudio101 at uh, gmail.com and let us know uh, ground or container. That's right. Yeah. Brad, tell us which, which annuals are you killing? Are they hanging baskets? Are you killing your hanging baskets or are you killing them in the garden? So like we can help you. Exactly. So thank you everyone for joining us here live on reality radio 101. I'm Matthew dressing here with my co-host Joanne Shaw and you're listening to down the garden path. Joanne and I enjoy hosting down the garden path each week, bringing you interesting and relevant topics to help you achieve a great garden. We learn right along with you from our research and for the wonderful guests that join us here on the show. Don't forget to spend more time with, uh, time with us down the garden path. You can find us on your favorite podcast provider. And while you're there, please subscribe to be notified of new content, like, share, and leave us a comment. You can also find us off the air anytime. You can find Joanne at down the number two uh, earth.ca. That's down the number two earth.ca. And you can find myself at naturalaffinity.ca. And don't forget to join the conversation uh, offline or, you know, away from the radio show or podcast. We have our own Down the Garden Path Instagram and Facebook accounts. Uh, we love interacting with everyone there. You can, the handle is at Down the Garden Path Podcast uh, on both Instagram and Facebook. That's right. So don't forget, yeah, write us, let us know where you are. How are you growing your annuals? What are you excited to grow uh, this year? Is there anything new and exciting? Uh, do you have some troublesome annual questions for us? Mm-hmm. How about annuals from seed? Like, are is there still, a, I know things are selling out as far as the plants, Matt. How are, are there still some annual seeds? Yeah, there's still lots of seeds to be had. Um, the seed companies are still replenishing our garden centers and some other garden centers uh, I've been visiting with lots of uh, different tropical seeds and annual seeds, mm-hmm. most certainly. And take a look at all your online um, seed companies, too, for some rarer stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I've definitely been doing that now with some COVID and just kind of expanding my annual selection of flowers yeah, and things that yeah. I like to plant. But yeah, there are lots. But even grocery stores, I was shocked at because like big box stores you can't get into. It's hard to do curbside picking your seeds. But the grocery stores actually started stocking um, seeds. So there are a lot of annuals that are direct sow, like zinnias. Um, Can you think of a? uh, Can you do Cleom and um, oh Cosmos? Can you do Cleom and Cosmos as direct seed? Yep, you can do those as well, and you can. So yeah, direct seed, direct so yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, yeah, you can plant both of those um, direct so for sure. Okay. Yeah. yeah you so can that's good to those, know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Those are two just adding to our list of things you can find uh, sometimes in the cell pack, especially the uh, cosmos as well. Mm. Yeah. One of the things um, with annuals that I find too, um, the Boston fern. Mm. They were scooping yeah. them up at the at your garden center on Saturday when I was sta- I was standing in line. Everybody, I just I didn't have the heart to like bypass the line and sneak around and look for Matt. <laughs> so I waited in line. It wasn't a long line. If it was a longer line, I would have come and snuck. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, they seem to be going like hotcakes. Yes, and 
Everyone loves how big and green and lush they get. They trail very low and uh, or far down beyond the edge of the hanging basket. But one mistake a lot of people do with their Boston ferns is put them in full sun. Um, and they are a partial to full shade annual. And that's where they're going to keep their color and grow the most and the quickest and give you that really lush flowing tropical look. So definitely try to keep your Boston ferns in uh, the shade or at least protect them from the highest uh, noonday sun in your area to keep them green and vigorous. That's right. Excellent. Do we have uh, any more questions? I think we, we've got some. Oh, go ahead. Yep. Cody has written in. Um, oh. Hi, are there any annuals that I can plant to keep mice from eating my vegetables? Someone told me there are certain annuals that mice do not like due to the scent of the plant. Is that true? Ooh, that's a good one. We did have that problem last year. We couldn't figure out what was going on uh, with our zucchini and until I saw the mouse, a mouse in the garden. So, yeah. Oh, you know what, Cody? That's an excellent question. Um, that is a list that I have um, never actually tried to um, put together mm-hmm. or create. So, Maybe we need to create that list and mm-hmm. uh, we will post it on our um, on our Facebook page and mm-hmm. our uh, Instagram page. I wonder if something like the hen manure, like that's, it looks like it's in a, in a tall milk or like cream container, right? Like the tall uh, one liter containers of, and it's like hen manure, but you, you kind of shake it out. I wonder if something like that would be, you know, kind of a bit of a preventative um i don't know about annuals like everybody that you know everybody kind of goes to marigolds but boy do we give a lot of credit to marigolds are they really that successful i think if they were that good then they would be 10 bucks each like you know what i mean they're still, <laughs> yes. they're still only two bucks each or something so i don't know i think if they were the cure to all the things that people say that they were cure of i think they would be ten dollars each don't you agree like <laughs> i agree i think we'd be like oh my god we have to have that $10. Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. I think it's going to be end up being more like, um, you know, companion planting with some different herbs and mm. garlics and things like that. So maybe some more scented or more sharply tasted things. But again, that's a for mice. I, I have no idea. But uh, going to your hen manure point, they do ra- repel uh, squirrels and some uh, chipmunks to a point as well as those mm-hmm. rabbits. I've heard that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I I will have to test that. Maybe I will test that in my garden plot and, uh, see. Yes. Or Cody, that could be your test. You can report back (laughs) to get a a package of that, uh, hen manure. Cause I mean, it's, it's their little pellet, so it's good for the plants and, uh, and stuff and just see if it, uh, detracts, um, the mice. Um, cause they're tricky, right? Cause any barricade or anything short of like a raised garden, um, you know, garden box or something like that. Yeah. It's tricky. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good question, though. Very good question, Cody. Thank you very much. Um, we're going to get back to you on that one. Um, I have Eric who's written in asking, hi, are there any annuals you cannot mix, meaning like next to each other uh, mm. or anything like that? Uh, none jumped to mind for me. Um, nothing's really acting like that black walnut that releases things like juglone into the soil and knocks out some of those plants. Um, or for example, daffodils, the, their, um, you know, their sap will kill other plants or cut stems or a number of gut stems in an open vase in the water. So nothing that I know of, Erica, does anything jump to your mind? 
No, you know what? I kind of took it also from a different perspective in mm. that um, water and not so much water. Like I think sometimes, yes, um, yes. you know, mixing like Porsche Laca and, you know, uh, begonias. Well, begonias, you mean, although that's, I know that's not an easy thing to do because it's one sun and one shade, but I think sometimes it's even in like, make sure the light and the water conditions are the same, like the zonal geraniums. I'm not a huge fan of those, but they are fairly like, yeah, they need water, but they are not as thirsty as some of the other things. Right. No. So I think sometimes if they're, especially in a container, if you're putting your own container in is to keep in, that in mind, right? That, that maybe sometimes, um, so it's not necessarily a flower that can't be mixed, but maybe it's, it's the conditions, right? Um, Excellent. Yep. Don't, yeah. I was, yeah, <laughs> that was the first thing that jumped to mind because uh, I just read the question. Uh, yeah. That's an excellent component, but yeah. Conditions, yeah. growing conditions. Mm-hmm. Do they all like sun? Do they all like dry mm-hmm. drought? Do they like what are you giving them? For sure, most certainly. Yeah, yeah. I think especially when you're making the container yourself, you know. So Porsche Laca would go good with uh, a zonal geranium um, or ivy geranium in with uh, with something else, you know, that type of thing. Um, but then your dragon wind begonia that needs going to need a ton of more water is going to have to be with something else that also. Um, needs a bit of water because even the sweet potato vines, which are like an amazing filler and actually look good in the ground. That is probably the only annual, as much as I do not use annuals in a design. uh, There is one uh, commercial property that I do every few, every year um, up since up to last year, because I no longer doing that, but um, is uh, the client just loved what, how the sweet potato vine filled in amongst the plants and, uh, and stuff and the color of it. And, uh, you know, that kind of thing. So they're pretty tough, right? They don't need a ton of water. So, you know, when you put them with something else, you know, sometimes I think they kind of uh, get a little bit sad looking. So, yeah. Excellent. Yes. Yeah. You're yes. (laughs) Um, (laughs) He's agreeable tonight, everybody. He's agreeable. (laughs) Ask me now, everyone. It's a yes. <laughs> oh, that's right. Oh, we have a new listener. So hello. I'm a brand new listener to your radio show. I heard about you from a friend of mine in a gardening club here in Moncton, New Brunswick. I'm wondering if that could be Rose, one of our uh, listeners. Are you on the radio every Monday? Oh, my goodness, Hans. We really are. <laughs> Aren't we? Um, we're, we're still not sure about the May long weekend next weekend. We have some eggs in the air at the moment, but uh, for the most part, and if we're not live, then we will have a re- repeat uh, show for you. So yes. And if you miss it, or if you've come in late, um, as Matt mentioned, you can always uh, check us out on your favorite podcast act app, as we will release the show as a podcast. So welcome. Um, and we'd love to hear about your garden in Moncton, New Brunswick. Wouldn't yes, we? yeah, we most certainly would Hans. Yes. Uh, write us in and welcome to the show. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, Jody's written in, what is manual pollination with a Q-tip? And I've known the term as tickling. You tickle your plants. Okay. uh, And you gather some pollen. and you Vegetables, though, not annuals? More vegetables, more vegetables than anything. 
Yeah, and, and you're basically manually pollinating. You would do more of like the tickling or the manual pollination, uh, more in like a controlled setting where you're breeding things for, you're crossing specific and you're quarantining and you're getting trying to go for a certain result. Uh, but yeah, you can definitely be doing that out in uh, in your garden. And Joe, as everyone said, you're more into the veggies, making sure that things are getting pollinated. Those squash and other things uh, are getting pollinated because there's, unfortunately, the insects are not as plentiful or most people don't like uh, those insects or there's nothing drawing those insects in to do that uh, manual work for us, unfortunately. So uh, yeah, we sometimes have to result or do that. Mm -hmm. um, but that's what that is. Yeah, we're manually collecting pollen, doing the job of a bee ourselves, and we're just moving around in between the different flowers and cross-pollinating or pollinating them ourselves. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Is it just bees that, again, no bees are a huge part of it, but does the wind contribute a little or? When they're closer, for sure. Um, and not only bees, and I think, again, like, yeah, because the focus is such on bees, but there are a number of other types of flies, um, other non, so like just classic honeybees, other bees, other beetles, other insects that we just don't really think of that will crawl around and investigate the pollen and nectar resources that the flowers provide uh, as, as a food source. And they just tend to cross-pollinate uh, and do them things themselves. Um, I think of like a hum hummingbird. Um, you know, sticking in and sipping and touching all that kind of stuff. You know, I'm sure she cross-pollinates every once or twice. Um, maybe not as thoroughly as a bee, but, you know, draws all in those, that pollen magnetically. But yeah, there's, so there's lots of different things that are going to help us pollinate everything. And that's why diversity is key. Mm, yeah. Diversity is key. Insects right. are good. Insects mean your garden is healthy. The soil mm -hmm. is healthy. You want to go out and find some things. Um, if you find bad guys, you want other insects to be there. Other 90% of all insects eat other insects. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I was out this morning just behind my car. There's a chokeberry and a lilac. And they're both covered in aphids and uh, the ants are harvesting the frass from the aphids and the uh, ladybugs and other things. They have laid eggs and they're attacking. Um, ah, so there you go. Circle of life. Yeah, exactly. For sure. For sure. I think something to remember too with uh, uh, vegetables is to plant some annuals, some flowering annuals in amongst them or, or in an area near them that then you're attracting um, cause they'll flower faster and sooner than the vegetables. Uh, so having something that's already flowering will help get, you know, the, the uh, insects coming back and that will help with the pollination as well. If you don't want to do the tickling as Matt called it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, even just like using a little um, annual alyssum or, you know, a low growing nasturtium that gives you those flowers. You can eat the nasturtium and the alyssum blooms all summer and draws mm -hmm. in all sorts of stuff. And they both act as a little ground cover to either tightly edge the bed or, uh, you know, cover some of the soil and protect that moisture. Mm -hmm. Or even perennial ones. Like if it, if it's an Lots, area yes. that you're always going to make a vegetable garden, then you can have like, if it's a big rectangle, then, you know, either corner or all four corners can be perennials that every year, you don't have to buy them every year, right? I think of like um, Roseanne geranium, uh, catmint, uh, perennial sage. <laughs> yeah, perennial sage, you know, ones that uh, start blooming early. Um, so they may not, I you know I'll get people say, well, they're not native, but they start blooming early. My cat, 
cat mints like three weeks been blooming and it's only like May 17th. Like, honestly, it's been blooming. Um, so that will bloom early and will attract the insects. And so that's something that you're not having to worry about every year. So I think that is a shout out to, to, to doing that as far as pollinators go. I agree. I agree. I was doing the annual ones because we're talking. About I know. Animals. I know. It's true. I'm sorry. I went off topic. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You're right. Take to the script. No, I'm just kidding. I no, know. but that's a, a great point. We have a you, whole month on perennials. I know. I know. <laughs> a wonderful point. And yours is all your catmint's already blooming. I know. Full bloom, you said. Yeah, that's yeah. crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. That's awesome. It's crazy. At and the which- curb, at the curb, like no like love. <laughs> snow salt would have been on it all winter like because i'm a, i have no sidewalk right so it's right to the edge of the road so yeah that's in your hell strip car mm-hmm. nice nice and what just for our listeners what cultivar of catmint do you have do you i have two i have two i think it's walkers low and i have the the regular one so yeah they both um definitely go for the walkers low or the even lower uh, persian uh catmint. yeah 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 because the other one is is a big like a bit of a beast. <laughs> yes, so, yes. Yes. And we have another new listener. Um, Joyce is listening from Jackson, Wyoming. So welcome to the show. Thank you. Ooh, welcome, for joining Joyce. Us. Yes. Katie writes in, in the ground for her annuals. Uh, no pots except for pots. There you go. Well, thank you, Katie. So you put your annuals in the ground. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. That's good. Very nice. Excellent. We've also got Mason who's written in. Um, I divide my annuals between the ground and pots. Uh, it is a, a feely thing, uh, both from but both for me. Mm, that's good. Yeah. Yes. No, that's excellent. I, I yeah, I would plant some. I, personally, I'm kind of a I'm I'm both too. I'm like Mason. I like to fill in some spots with a little bit of annuals and colors and things and. Um, but mostly, again, I'm in containers. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Well, that's good. That Very is cool. good. I know. So, yeah. So, we, um, some an- unusual ones. I know I was looking, I would mention to you that I did a Landscape Ontario course this winter, and they covered a whole bunch of um, new ones and new varieties that the University of Guelph has been growing and testing. And But then we realized that with the demand is so high that we want to get your hopes up on these new things and that you won't be able to find them. <laughs> so, um, but the trend was certainly things like foliage. So the lime, uh, you know, things, the lime green um, sweet potato vine were even greener, right? Yeah. Or even limeier. Um, and I'm uh, just pulling up the name of it again. Uh, the other one was the canary begonia, where they've changed the foliage instead of it being green with the hot pink uh, flowers or orangey flowers, they were it was yellow foliage. So I think they're the breeders are changing, taking a, a lot of having a lot of fun with the uh, foliage. Yes, that's right. Uh, I've even seen um, again from Landscape Ontario as well as some from Proven Winners. Um, you know, things like calocasias, the big bulbs, the big elephant ears, and, um, you know, just the cool cups and uh, the shapes of them and how they catch water and the darker, broader, bolder leaves, uh, as well as a bunch of, again, as always, uh, things like new coleuses, uh, like Color Blaze Royale Pineapple, Brandy Coleus, um, beautiful flame-like leaves serrated, uh, but that cool pineapple uh, color as well. 
um, or coffee cups calocasia. Uh, so zone eight to 11, a nice bulb here, but really cool, dark venation and very large, almost picturesque uh, cups that you could just imagine collecting water if you lived out in the wild and, and drinking them from. Yeah, ah, so lots okay. of foliage. Yes, um, so that, that epimea or uh, sweet potato vine was called sweet Caroline kiwi. So definitely, you know, the other one is really normally limey, but this one was very limey and a bit more of a different shaped leaf, like more of a serrated leaf. Um, but it does shockingly look good as a, as a ground cover. It really does. So uh, I, I may cave in one of these days, put, put, put this in as a ground cover. But uh, uh, yes, and definitely, like you said, the coleuses. There's always new varieties. Um, There's always new coleus. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> what about the standard, like the little flowering um, trees? Yeah, there are always a, um, cool different um, flowering standard trees that they grow in. Um, so I'm sure, and maybe our listeners aren't, uh, but you know, there's that thriller filler spiller recipe for your mm -hmm. annual container. Something upright is your thriller. And they've grown a lot of these annual uh, annuals as small standard trees. Uh, one of my favorites is fuchsia, something um, my grandmother always had up at the ranch. Uh, just dangling in the shade, but they have a beautiful fuchsia standard. Uh, so, you know, you're anywhere from two to four feet tall, depending on the grower. I usually see them at our garden center, a little smaller, but that nice dark obovate leaf, uh, dark green, and then you've got those little pendulous uh, fuchsias that fall down and attract hummingbirds. And they're very unusual in the way they've got uh, long uh, stamens and then the really ruffled a uh, little, uh, little colored pod pops open and reveals like a little ruffled carnation kind of look with the stamens dropping down very far from them. Um, so they're great. You can get them in whites, pinks, and purples. And usually they're also a bicolor. There's a solanum standard. Um, again, I believe it's one of the epimeas, but just are in that uh, genus. Uh, but little purple or whites, very small, like the size of a dime or a penny. Uh, small five-petaled daisy-like flowers um, and they just kind of bloom their heads off more for that partial to full sun. Um, I'm trying to think of, the, I mean, there's always hibiscus standards as well, moving into the tropical uh, annual side of things for us here. And um, who am I forgetting that we talked about before as well? Um, well, it's a flowering maple. Did you just say thank that? Thank you. That's the one. Oh, okay. no. <laughs> That's exactly the one I was looking for. Yeah, so flowering maple. Um, so it's a very like a tropical maple look like looking mm -hmm. leaf. And then they get these big coupling pendulous facing downwards uh, oranges and yellows. And I've sometimes seen a more of a reddy orange. I wouldn't don't know if I would call say red red. Uh, but it's like a more to oranges and yellows. Mm -hmm. And they're quite nice too, to add that texture and those drooping uh, little maple flowers. Yes. And my mother-in-law brings them in. She's been really successful over the years to bring them in um, and kind of overwinter them. And then they bloom in the house and stuff. So, uh, so yeah, so that's, it's something different and something worth trying, I think. Um, probably yeah. easier than the Mandevilla um, that I struggle with, but uh, yeah. Yep. So that's another option. And I think it's when um, I know if, if our listeners are familiar with the thriller spiller filler, right? Thriller that, you know, yeah. sometimes the thriller you want to have 
sometimes you put in something like a grass that is eventually going to get tall, but sometimes you want to start with something already tall. So, so that's kind of a nice way to do it um, is to look for those. They can be a little pricier. It is a bit of an investment. That's why we like, I like the flowering maple in that you have a chance to be able to use it for two seasons. So, so that can be, uh, you know, that can be, yes, beautiful and exciting and fun to have inside at the same time. Um, as we round out the last few minutes, mm-hmm. um, we've got a few more listener questions and comments. Okay. Um, Ralph says, uh, pots for me. He grows them in pots, so pots with a cold beer. And that sounds very nice. <laughs> Today was 22 degrees. <laughs> and uh, Steve has said, mostly in the ground for him. And he accents his property with pots. Thanks for the show. Oh, you're welcome, Steve. Yes, <laughs> thank you, Steve. So, yeah, I mean, I think that is the one of the cool things about annuals is they are so versatile, right? Yes, they um, are there is no wrong. And one year you could do them in pots and another year you can put them in gardens. Sometimes I've seen people put the pots and this is popular, um, put them in a pot, but that like, like a nice bright, um, you know, if you've seen somebody like put in, um, and I know I don't like yellow, but you know, nice turquoise pot, ceramic pot, and then they put yellow uh, flowers in the pot, like yellow um, petunias, you know, so you got that nice poof pop of color in the garden and it's elevated a little bit. Um, so yeah, so there's things to do. If you got really unusual containers, um, you know, that, uh, that you can kind of put in the garden where, you know, setting up by itself might not look that interesting, but you can put them in a garden and uh, put the annuals in them that way. So that's another thing. It's a bit of a compromise, right? That's right. Those containers can definitely add lots. Steve has written in as well. Another Steve, a different Steve. Hi, my garden is mostly planting my annuals. I do have some pots and hanging baskets. I like the mix. Excellent. Thank you very much, Steve. One thing I found in our research too was um, a quick look and a peek into next year, coming to garden centers next year. Ah, um, The Soprano uh, series of Impatience. Uh, which is a classic shade annual, but as you know, they've been hit with the downy mildew recently. Uh, So there's a new series of all different colors of these Sopranos uh, with a very increased uh, disease resistance. So uh, we might start to see some growers and uh, other garden centers uh, starting to offer our our regular impatience again, uh, hopefully combating that downy mildew. Excellent. Excellent. Well, this is a good show and I'm excited that everybody um, we'll have to make a note of that when we plan next year's show that people really are. I know I can be a Debbie Danner when it comes to annuals, but that, you know, it, they are important plant and they and uh, there is such a variety um, and so many uses and the adaptability for things. Uh, so I think it's an important topic, right? That I'm glad that everybody. So let, send us your questions even after the show ends. Um, it might make for another show. Who knows? That's right. Right. You can always write us here at instudio101 at gmail.com. Uh, you can find uh, Joanne at Joanne at down to earth, the number two earth.ca. And you can find me, Matthew, at naturalaffinity.ca. And I think our music is playing our way out. Surely, yes. And we will let you know we do have a couple of good upcoming shows. We just don't know. Um, we just had a guest who had to postpone. So we've had yes, to shuffle, yes. which is why I know we have. I get a lot of listeners emailing me, asking me what 
what the topic is. And sometimes it's pretty fluid because we have situations like that that are beyond our control. Uh, so Matt and I are pretty good at adapting. We have a schedule and a plan, but uh, things happen, right? So thank you for bearing with us. Please t tune into our Facebook page and we will post what next week's show will be about. Um, and uh, we want to thank you very much for joining us here on the Garden Path on Reality Radio 101. Thank you for listening to Down the Garden Path with your hosts, Joanne Shaw and Matthew Dressing, right here on Reality Radio 101.